Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, my name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you so much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Jason Scott. Jason Scott is a songwriter who has built his growing career in music into a cottage industry with a full schedule and an entire network of musicians based in his native Oklahoma and surrounding states. Some of the gigs are wedding gigs, sure, but don't let that fool you. Scott is no Murph in the magic tones. He's a very talented young artist with a perfectly tuned ear for narrative detail. It's the sort of fertile territory currently being mined by rising Americana star Jason Isbell, and the comparison is apt. Both writers are staunchly devoted to hewing closely to honesty at all costs, and both have a preternatural knack for telling a big story with the smallest of moments. Scott has figured out a unique business model that allows him to help finance his original songwriting with wedding gigs, and his ever-expanding tours are a proof of concept that there is a market for artists to do weddings that are far more artistically gratifying than yet another DJ spinning the hokey pokey for the billionth time. Scott even offers a service where he will write and record an original song for a bride and groom, which he then produces in his own studio. It's an innovative approach, and one that could help a lot more musicians avoid the drudgery of a soul-sucking day job. Scott's new EP, Living Rooms, serves as an introduction to a very talented new artist, and is a cautionary tale to any musician to leave no stone unturned when it comes to innovative ways of making a living in music. Welcome to Independence Day, Jason Scott. Hey, Jason. Hey. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Welcome to California. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to Los Angeles. You're uh, an Oklahoman, I think would be. Is that the proper? Yes. Proper title. Oki would be. An Oki is another. Somewhat pejorative, title. but it's somewhat not. I'll settle for it. Oki, you know, it's it's, it's cool. Uh, what brings you to Los Angeles? What brings you out west? We uh, we have a wedding out here actually in Sacramento, and uh, a friend of mine, Chris, um, he lives out here, so we thought we'd. Uh, hang out with him a little bit and it just so happened that he had a space open for a house show so uh with the release of this record um we decided to take advantage of that so we're doing that and then a wedding here on uh, saturday so it's funny though thinking about it like from oklahoma one who someone who had not been to california might think that sacramento is just like a you know suburb of la or it's like right up the road like you know from you i guess it would be you're in oklahoma city yeah so i'm trying to think like what would be close by Tulsa, maybe Tulsa is about an hour, Tulsa, and a half, hour or so, hour and a half. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good drive. It's an eight-hour drive. Yeah. yeah, you've got a haul. Yeah, we're there. flying actually. Oh, good, good man. From here to there, so and that won't take any time at all. So. And you just got here, like you essentially kind of came off the plane. Yeah, dropped off some gear at the crash pad kind of situation and came straight here. So thank you, first and foremost, yeah, for, sure. for like squeezing this in. I know uh, whether you're on tour or you know whatever you're doing, like I always appreciate it when musicians take time out of what they're doing. Sure. Uh, to come talk about what they do. It's one of my favorite things to do is to talk to musicians. So it's well, a pleasure sure. to meet you. Yeah. Pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Can't wait me. for people to hear your songs. Uh, good good writing. Thank you. Good stuff. Um, and tell me, just give me a little bit about of a baseball card about yourself. Are you, you were born in Oklahoma as well? Yeah, I was. I was born in uh, Midwest City, Oklahoma. I lived there for, for several years. Um, I lived in Colorado for a couple of years. Um, my parents split up um, yeah. some of my high school years and then uh, moved back here, and I've been here since. Where were you in Colorado? Uh, Castle Rock. It's kind of nestled between uh, Colorado Springs and Denver. Okay, so the flat part. Yes, With except the, for the, so the Castle mountains Rock. Are off, yeah. Mountains are off to the west at that point. <laughs> yes, correct. That's the big thing about Colorado, too. You know, There are parts of eastern Colorado, same as Oklahoma, yeah, same as Kansas, absolutely. same as Nebraska, and I've been through there a dozen times. Same. Uh, very, very different depending on where you are in Colorado. And it, I think it affects, you know, you, it's still a mountain state regardless, but your uh, your mindset is very different, you know, if you live out in Aspen as opposed to living somewhere, you know, outside of Dodge City on the other side of the right. line. Anyway, so now tell me, was were you from a musical family? Were there people playing music in your household growing up? Um, you know, I grew up in church, which, you know, is a huge part of where my musical kind of background came from. I mean, that was just a huge i was in choir and yeah, yeah. i mean even from sunday school i just grew up singing and stuff uh my mom always sang she's got a wonderful voice my dad sings as well um uh, he you know he he's not as rhythmically uh on point as <laughs> deft yeah and you know the the funny thing is uh 
back then in our church, we used to do a lot of tracks, you know what I mean, where they sing along with the right, gospel right, song. Right. And if you're not rhythmically, you know, adept, you can get lost in those real, real quickly. And so I, I, dad had a good voice, but that was about the extent of his ability. I admire so, his courage, my mama, though, Oh, yeah. For getting up there just the same. Yeah. You know, what's that? There's the phrase, you know, dance like nobody's watching. Like, I think I, people are very judgy. Sure. I think, especially in the age of the internet, they think they know everything about everything now because they can go on their phone and find the answer to a lot of things or unanswer, maybe not the answer. Right. Um, but I, I, I always love to hear it when people just go out and do what they do. You know, if they want to sing, you go sing. You know, the rest of the people be damned. Just go, go do it. If you love it, do it. You know, if you want to do it, do it. So kudos to dad. I'm think, sorry, you're yeah. saying something about your mother? I'm so sorry. All the kudos to dad because he he definitely didn't give a damn, that's for sure. My, I, the, my point, I guess, would be is I think I got more of my musical talent, gift, or at least passion for that uh, from my mom. Yeah. Sure. My grandma was always kind of a tinkerer as well. Yeah. She still she used to play her piano growing up. Never anything, you know professional but yeah maybe, maybe that side as well were there instruments around the house not really um i really didn't pick up a guitar until i was like 17 or 18 yeah um but at church um singing was really what i did a lot of yeah. growing up and then I, I picked up a guitar at about 18 the oral tradition of different parts of america or different you know it's almost like different societies america seems like it should be about six different countries sometimes right yeah the oral tradition of music in different parts of our country is very, very disparate. You know, I come from the Chicago area, but I have very, very deep roots in the South and Northern Alabama area. Okay. And up North, you know, there were more bands, it seems like. There were more kids around, so there were more people to play with, and, you know, we were more into that. When I would go visit my relatives in Alabama, it was much more rural. But there was a very different, in some ways, more prevalent musical tradition that Scotch-Irish folk singing sort of thing, where like we'd show up at the Armstrong family reunion, right. and there'd be a couple dudes sitting at a picnic table just to pick in, is what they called it. Yeah, definitely. And they just knew songs, and some guy would pull out a violin, and they'd just play through these songs. Sure. And that seemed kind of alien to me, but in a good way, you know? That's definitely, I mean, and bluegrass is, you know, is a great example of that. Um, it's very, very family-oriented. Right. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think in rural rural areas music is something people could do on their porch without it yeah. costing that much and and there's a there's something to that obviously yeah and the older generations of course you know uh, some you know my grandparents go back to a time where honestly there may have been electricity right there's certainly no if there was a phonograph it wasn't very good you know and to if you you know you think about the dark ages almost there's more of a comparison with that because if you wanted to hear music you ha- if you wanted to hear a song you had to play it yeah. You couldn't just put it on or go to the, you know, turn on, I guess you could turn on the radio, but, you know, I come from some backwoods people down there on that side of the family. less places to play to in rural areas. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I could see full bands having a better landscape to perform in than, than rural areas in Alabama yeah. that long ago, you know? And, you know, the South, I mean, Oklahoma's not exactly the South. It's kind of an interesting crossroads, I feel like. I mean, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this, having grown up there, but it it's seems the like... Kind of halfway west, halfway south, halfway Great Plains, you know, kind of stuck somewhere. It's rural, a lot of it. Sure. Um, but, so tell me, like, growing up, how did it feel? I mean, did it feel like the west? Did it feel like the south? Did it feel like, what What? What was that? I don't know. I, I don't know that I've ever thought about it. Um, I mean, I guess it's just what you grew up I with. mean, I grew up in the city, too. I mean, okay. Oklahoma City is, you know, it's pretty suburban. Right, right. It's definitely nowhere near uh, as liberal as any of as at least three of those directions for sure <laughs> right so i mean it's always felt like the south to me right uh, just from a principle sort of standpoint or you know ideal yeah kind of point of view I landscape wise it dep- i guess it depends on which direction you go flat, you're right though, it does right? have Mostly i mean there, there there's some hilly parts to oklahoma and there's some flat and there's yeah some, you know i mean it Kind of varies depending on which direction you go, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no mountains, but right, you know, it's not all it's not all Kansas, right? Well, when I say flat, I mean, you know, I grew again. I grew up in the Midwest, which was kind of a glacial yeah. thing, pretty flat where I grew up. Lots of cornfields, and they were low rolling hills. You know, it's very picturesque. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, things that I used to think were mountains, like I would go visit those those relatives I was telling you about before in Alabama. And like there are some mountains there. They seem like the biggest mountains in the world to me, like yeah. the most rugged backwoods territory. But then I moved to California and I went to Colorado and I traveled around the world. Saw you the saw real mountains. Well, these are not <laughs> actually mountains. I mean, we, well, we have one called Mount Scott. 
Yeah? yeah. Okay. Do you, off the top of your head, do you have any idea how tall Mount Scott is? Um, I wouldn't call it a mountain. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> big enough to sled I, I on? Can no you sled idea. on it? Yeah, it's real rocky. Um, okay. A lot of giant boulder type type stuff, but I mean, it, it's pretty high up there, I'd say. And is there any connection to your name to Mount Scott? I don't think so. You should have made that up, man. You should have totally should've made went with that. Up. Yes, my grandfather discovered it and was the first person to climb it. It's a man-made mountain. That's what I learned from Tom Waits. Great Grandpa Scott. Yeah, well, maybe he made it himself. He built that. That's what I learned from Tom Waits is you got to create your own, uh, create your own legends. Anyway, this week's guest on Independence Day, Mr. Jason Scott. He's an Oklahoman. He's out here visiting in California. He's here for a wedding. He's also going to play a show while he's here. Uh, we're going to hear some live songs from him in just a minute. But first, I want to give you a taste. He's got a brand new EP. It's called Living Rooms. And let's hear a track from that. The song is called Fire Shut Up in My Bones. The artist is Jason Scott on Independence Day. It's a dark and late night here My flesh is weakest Revival written lips against my cheek Baby, let me set you free She must be the gospel Cause uh, my body's Joe Armstrong, thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., either Pacific Standard or Daylight Time. It's Standard Time now. It's kind of a, it breaks my heart a little bit, Jason, I got to say. I like the daylight saving time. I like the long days. Even though I'm a musician, I love nighttime too, but man, I, the older I get, I like the daylight. I feel like I'm going to be one of those guys playing chess in, in the park and drinking coffee at McDonald's with my old buddies. Just cursing 4 p.m. Cursing 4 p.m. Yeah, going to bed at 4 p.m. It's like my girlfriend's dad. Love that guy, though. Anyway, welcome to California. Thanks for being here. Great song. Great song. Uh, the EP is coming out very, very soon, just next month in January. Uh, people can pick it up. Your website is jasonscottmedia.com. Why media instead of music? I'm curious. No, it was taken. Yeah. It was like $69,475 to buy the... I suppose your name is Jason Scott. I got joearmstrong.com at a very, very 
you know, it seemed late in the game. I was actually surprised. I tried that it was available, but there's you know, look, it doesn't really matter. People know where to find. I'm you. not paying that much for it. So tell me, we're still on the kind of biographical thing. Tell me a little bit more how you got from, you know, like a kid growing up in Oklahoma to you know being a musician because you, you you're not just say just uh, a singer songwriter you've got a recording studio Correct. Uh, you've got yeah. like a wedding band kind of thing yeah you've got like a musical like a little musical empire so how did you get from just a kid without a lot of music in your family to doing it as a profession well i would i mean church is the short answer um i was a worship pastor for several years which i, I would after i learned to play guitar and got of age um I stepped into that role, and that's, re- I mean, honestly, a lot of my development I owe to that that time period. Um, and from that, uh, you know, I, I developed a lot of my, I started writing worship songs and stuff like that, uh, none of which the public will ever see. But uh, that's kind of where I got that that ball rolling. And then when I, when I left that arena, I just sort of carried it on. I, I mean, and music's really the only thing I've ever had any training or any sort of passion for i've gone to school for a couple of other things but yeah nothing the worship pastor thing for people who aren't in that world is a big gig like that can be a full-time job yeah it's less in the pentecostal realm it's very very volunteer based really yeah there's no no income so how were you eking out a living then Uh, if you were doing the worship pastor yeah yeah, i had a desk job A, a, a good desk job actually my my father worked there as well as a telecommunications place but a union environment and Right. I thought that's what I was going to do for a long time. So, and then uh, all that changed. So, and, and actually, I got laid off right about the time the the wedding stuff was kind of taking off. So it was kind of you mean your wedding, the wedding business that I started. Well, the wedding business. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, are you still doing the wedding business? Yeah, absolutely. So, so now, in terms of this, tell me a little bit about it. Are you? providing because there's, there's a million different ways to make money on sure. weddings they're very profitable yes, or they, they are they can be at least uh are you like a wedding band <laughs> so are you go. playing like celebration and the what's the chicken dance and all that stuff or we do dj as well yeah okay. which kind of is what is so marketable about what we do we'll we'll go as a duo like me and zach will be at this wedding um we'll do live music zach copeland who we're talking zach about copeland, you'll hear him yeah, play yeah, some lead guitar with, with jason a little bit here me, yeah so we'll we'll do like you know kind of elegant ceremony music. We'll do a dinner repertoire, maybe some first dances live, and then we DJ the remainder of the event. We also write songs for couples too. We've got a whole bunch wow. of songs that we're going to be releasing here before too much longer. Um, we've actually had quite a few, but couples give us some background story, and and me and Zach Copeland and another owner. That's pretty cool. We'll write songs for them, and yeah, it's like a commission almost kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, and you know it's also. It's also great for your mind, you know, just yeah. to have to write songs. And a lot of them are, you know, kind of pop country vibe, but it, it's good for you. It helps kind of hone your skills. Anyways, th- that is sort of what we've been using to accompany some of the tours that we, we've been doing. Yeah. Let's play a live song. I want okay. to come out. That's, uh, a, that's a good enough topic to like, let's devote some time to that. Sure. Let's play a live song. What's this first song you're going to play here? Uh, this, this song's called She's, She Good to Me. She Good to Me. She Good to Me, yes. Uh, and tell me just a wee bit about it. Uh, it's, it's about my wife. Just, you know, it's kind of an overall snapshot of her being an angel and yeah. me not being. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty vague through most of it anyways. But Is she, in fact, good to you or are you at liberty to, are you at liberty to say? She's ter- no, she's great. Yeah. Good. She's That's the best. such an important position. You know, they always say there's that adage or aphorism, you know, the most important decision you'll ever make is your partner in life. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear I concur. that you picked a good one. And you have boys too, right? I do have two boys, yeah. And we'll talk about that later, too. Okay. First, let's play this tune. Okay, so this is Jason Scott. He's accompanied by his buddy, uh, Zach Copeland. He's going to play some lead guitar. Beautiful old guitars, by the way. So this is the song, She Good to Me, Jason Scott on Independence Day. Trouble with trouble is knows right where to find me. It's easy getting lost, it's easy being found. Ask me any. 
Jason Scott, accompanied by Zach Copeland. He's in Oklahoma. I keep wanting to call you an Okie, but I don't know if that's like, that's the thing that you can do from a California perspective. I'm I'm proud of that. Okay, we'll call call you an Okie as a good thing. Uh, Something you should be proud of your heritage, whatever that is. Uh, Welcome to California. Thanks for coming out, man. Thanks for playing a song. It's good stuff. You're a very good writer. Thank you. Good singer, too. All that training shows in what you do. Um, And... So talk to me about this interesting business model okay. you've cre- you've come up yeah. with, which is you know you were doing weddings, performing weddings, that kind of thing, and you still do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people think of wedding singers, I think there's kind of a stereotype that, sure. that comes up. You know, it's like a dude and his band, and or chicks and their band, whatever it is, and they're playing hokey songs, sure. and and that maybe all they do musically, maybe they're weekend warriors musically. But you're you've taken a different tack. You know, you're performing, you're writing original songs, you're going on tours. So tell me, like, mm-hmm. how did it evolve? Well, it evolved kind of being the stereotypical DJ. I mean, that's sort of how we got into it. Um, but but I think, you know, we, we sort of, over the first year, as as first off, as I realized that the business model, would, I, I could make money off of it. Like I said, I'd been laid off. And people really, really were interested in what we were doing. And we started expanding into other states and realizing that nobody was offering this type of service there too. So that, that's, all, that's how that all started. But I think really kind of the crossover is when we really started pursuing our own music and writing songs. And again, I mean, this, this is my first record. All this is relatively new. But we started really um, marketing us instead of, you know, a pink guitar and laser lights. We started marketing ourselves as musicians and songwriters and stuff like that. And and I think people really, most people see that stereotype when they walk through a bridal fair or an exhibit or something like that. And I think we stood out because we don't, we're not wearing matching, you know, vests. Tuxedos. And, right. And, and blue leisure suits. 
Right. And our our long our end game here is to be able to either support music or somehow move this into a publishing arena management. We made a lot of contacts just because of all the venues and different places we played. And and so we've been pursuing it from that angle and just gaining popularity through that by just kind of being ourselves instead of trying to, you know. Yeah. They like it. It's different. It's it's not that stereotypical thing and we right. fit very well in that environment. So do you do you brand these things as something separate or different from your what I would call your songwriting work? Yes. Okay. So there's like a name. Is there a specific name for the wedding band? Yeah. Oh, yeah. String and Sound is the name of our website. The name okay. of all of our marketing. And then, so how big does so you were saying before? Like you'll play songs during the service, etc. Yeah. You know, walk in music, whatever. Um, have you ever expanded <clears throat> that to like play the full like wedding reception? We have done a couple of, in fact, we really pushed uh, offering full bands for a while, and we, and we did uh, so, but it, it's just too much money, and we, we yeah. do so much better as a duo. We fit in tight spaces. I mean, there's way less equipment, way less, way more money for everybody. I mean, right. it, it, and it's too much hassle trying to keep a wedding band yeah. together over years. It's a practical consideration. I mean, the that's the thing about wedding bands you know versus djs there's a lot of wedding bands i know i used to work with them in chicago i would sure. do front of house mixing for those bands yeah and some of them were actual big bands you know oh, several yeah. horns oh yeah and keyboards guitars piece. drum 12 yeah. piece 15 yeah. piece it's a whole pa system and they would do weddings and they would do you know they had played for the president one of the presidents when they came wow. to town like so they're like the top tier like wedding type band in chicago and they would play in hotels up at the top of you know, ballrooms in those high rises they're in making, Chicago. They're making bank. Yeah, they're, they're making that guy makes bank. a good living at it. Now he, like you, diversified. He's got different things going on in the music business, and he's a well-known musician. I think he's a clarinet player. I couldn't remember. Okay. The, couldn't tell you the guy's name off the top of my head. It's been twenty years, probably. Yeah. But you know, it seems like you guys are eking out like kind of your own space in the marketplace to make it sound like some kind of thing you would talk up in a business class. But that's. We are. I mean, we're making money in the music industry. And I, I mean, to be honest, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm supporting my family doing it. And Yeah. Well, people, again, people get very judgy. I've been I thinking know. about this lately. Let them. Uh, but who cares? I don't. You know, if you're, you are, you know, the same could almost be said for cover bands to a certain extent. Sure. You know, I have some friends, you know, the Chicago has a network of cover bands. And all summer long, you know, they they play indoors in the wintertime, but all summer long they'll they'll just they'll call them block parties or yeah, street fairs definitely. and they'll block off streets and they'll just I always used to joke because it's like the same five bands just rotate which block mm -hmm. on they're on each weekend all summer long. But some of those guys were doing fine. They were making as much money as I was making and they didn't have a day job. Absolutely. Um, and it's, I think people need to stop being so judgy about that kind of thing. Yeah, you know what? We, I mean, we play a lot of bars. Um and it's fine to go into to a bar and play some originals, but to be honest, you know, at a bar, unless it's a listening bar or listening room, people are there to have a good time. And I, I understand the cover band thing. I mean, people want to ha listen to something familiar. You know, yeah. I can't tell you how many times we've sat and played, and nobody will even pay attention. Not because the quality of the music, but just because it's not familiar to them. It's not right. what they're even there to participate in you know? yeah so understand the nature of the of a cover band i think they're a good thing i Music's... wish people would cover my songs out there <laughs> yeah i've been covered once it felt really cool yeah uh and, and i was honored to have them do it too it just it was just really fun to see someone else's interpretation sure. of what i was doing which was fantastic um just just admit i felt fantastic i don't mean yeah. their version was great uh again people need to stop being so judgy about that kind of thing and Music is serves different purposes, yeah, in different different roles in, in people's lives. Uh, you know, people go to a bar, like you said. You know, they. I, I live in California now. I live in Los Angeles, and I'm a songwriter too. So, I made a choice at some point. You know, we we know a million covers. I've played. I grew up playing covers, and my right. first band was a cover. We played three hours of covers, and then in Chicago, I had a thing that was kind of hybridized. It was kind of half of each. You know, we'd play a bunch of random covers, you know, Tom Petty tunes and Absolutely. Wilco tunes and things that people kind of knew. And then, you know, we'd, we'd play a lot of our tunes as well. Um, and I wonder, I wonder what percentage of professional bands started out playing, you know, and making money as a cover band. Yeah. You know, bands we probably knew. I mean, look, look at the bands like the Beatles and the Stones. It's been a long time, generations ago. But they started off playing Chuck Berry and Little Richard and all the sure. tunes that they loved, 
You know, what's the difference? Absolutely. Really? There isn't. I don't, I can't see. And one. the same people that bitch about it are the ones that are always bitching about not having any money either. And <laughs> right. And the poor. Well, people, hobby. For me. Uh, complaining is a hobby for people. Yeah. I was going to say hobbying is a complaint for people, but maybe that, maybe that <laughs> holds water too. Um, so you built up this business and now, so what percentage of your gigs now are like singer songwriter style gigs where you're going to play original music versus a wedding thing? Uh, it's about half and half, honestly. Um, just from a you know a number perspective we we do 80 90 weddings slash events a year wow between we what we do is we go as three teams you know so a couple of weeks ago we had three weddings in three different states that were all happening at the same time all as duos so we're we're kind of able to cover you yeah. know, a little bit more ground we do about 80 90 events a year with that and i'd say i do every bit of that wow so then Many these bars. other musicians, is this part of just kind of a general collective or is there just like a team of dudes that you purchase that you like kind of pick like this team for that or this team for that? Or like, how do you, how do, like, how did you go out and recruit more people for that kind of thing? Because obviously you can't clone yourself. Right. Well, I found, I found Zach on Craigslist um, and we, or at least I think I did, it may have been Jose, but um, a couple of the people we found through Craigslist, one in Kansas, uh, the girl in, in Colorado, uh, I found her through Craigslist, and you just put out there, hey, we have a gig for you, can you play violin and sing a little bit, and you get so many people interested. Yeah. So, and, and also that was kind of part of our vision too, because it supports these people in their local environments. And, you know, a lot of the stuff we do is, is the same thing. You're playing the canon and you're playing, you know, right. An Ed Sheeran song or something like that. Right. So there's a kind of a consistency that we can, that we've, we've got, you know, and a lot of resources too, that we all use collectively. Um, but that, that was kind of the idea and, and kind of more towards the touring thing earlier, I was able to take, um, a, uh, my friend Carter Sampson and her boyfriend Eric offed all on, on a tour and we supported it with weddings in Colorado. And, and so that, that, that's kind of another direction that we're, we're yeah. going is we can, is people are interested in having real not cover right stuff at their wedding. And, uh, that's, Seems kind of rare, but I guess there must be a demand, and you would know as better than anyone. Well, it's not all. You can't just show up and do you know all your songs. <laughs> you got to play. You got to play some of the other stuff people want. But I enjoy that. Okay, so when you say you supported like another tour, now are you talking about like getting down to the nitty gritty? You're talking about like a hybridized tour where some of the gigs are a wedding show, and then yes. maybe on the way there you play a singer songwriter thing in a coffee house or yes. like a bar. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. So then I'm, I'm imagining wardrobe being like, no, I'm, and again, this goes back to just like the, this is for a joke, but like the cliche, I'm imagining like having a wardrobe that consists of like, you know, blue leisure suits, Murph and the Magic Tones, <laughs> Blues Brothers kind of thing, as well as like, it's not like that at all, clothes. man. We, we, I yeah. mean, we look like musicians. I mean, I mean, we're not going to show up, you know, in a t shirt. Yeah. You know, I, I do like a bolo tie or whatever. But yeah. yeah. You can skirt the line a little bit. People like to live vicariously through their performers. I agree. You know, they want, even when they're acting out and they're doing bad things, not that you're going to show up and like drink from the champagne fountain and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> make out with the bridesmaids or whatever. Maybe you do. I don't know. Not maybe every you're time. Married. But maybe not all the guys in the organizations are married. But that's, <laughs> that's my point is uh, it doesn't have to be all one way. You know, yeah, you can absolutely. you can go and... And and act a little vicariously, and people like that. You know, they want people to to act them be themselves. Now, do you also like how much overlap is there? Like when you go to play a show, like a wedding show, then do you have like CDs? Because probably you probably have to talk to the bride and groom and say, "Hey, I got some CDs for sale or whatever." I have been able to get rid of some product um, at at weddings now, and I'm it's kind of a new now that I have a record. Finally, it's kind of a new approach. Yeah. There's a fine line there between yeah classy and not <laughs> well that's something you I mean when you're doing a wedding i'm sure there are meetings or yes. you know, there's like there's a contract and there's a whole elaborate Absolutely. thing and it's and when you're doing something at that level i mean you're dealing with just about the most stressful day in at least one person's life and probably 10 people's lives sure and you know being a professional like you are uh you know this going in so right. like dot every i cross every t you know, every little thing needs to be discussed. And some people might be fine with that. Like if you're on break and they liked your song, like, hey, you know, I, maybe you don't announce it over the PA system, but if someone comes up and asks, 
we get people that come up and ask all the time, which is, which is, uh, that gives you an opportunity to kind of say who, who you are, what you do, and that you might have some product back there if they yeah. come see you at the end of the evening or something like that. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I'm, I'm so fascinated by this concept of, of, of like uniting those two worlds because they seem so delineated. I don't like, think they are. Like, I think in most there's circles. some crossover here that. I mean, it's different from the LA perspective, though. Like, the most, a lot of the musicians I know, you know, some of them would probably <laughs> give their eye tooth to get wedding gigs because it pays. Sure. And some people would probably just as soon be caught dead playing weddings. Absolutely, yeah. Because there's still that stigma of, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist, capital right. A, I'm, I'm playing my songs. I think brides would pay to have a band come in that was like a, not a cover, you know what I mean? Like an actual band that, especially in a local community that the, you know, Colorado is a great example. Bluegrass is massive there. Bluegrass, people bring bluegrass bands in all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. And and they're not doing, you know, they're doing some covers, but they're doing a bunch of original content too. And that's why they hired them. Yeah. You know, they do you ever have bluegrass mixed into what you do? Yeah. I play mandolin as well. Um, so we, we get down on, on some of that. Usually we go as fiddle guitar. Usually it's a guy-girl combo. Uh-huh. So you get some alternate right. vocals and stuff like that. But yeah, we, we, we definitely do that, especially in Colorado. What a great idea. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very impressed with this, this whole concept, this whole idea. Like I feel like now I need to move to like, where would I go? And, and Anywhere in the Midwest, somewhere where I haven't, you know, I don't, don't compete with you. Like, go oh, back, I got you. Go back to Chicago and start my own kind of thing, doing that hey, kind man, of thing. Go There's ahead. money to be made. Yeah, you know, I don't want. I'm tired of having a day up. job. There have been long periods where I didn't have day jobs, but I have one now, and I'm tired of it. Yeah, what do you do? Tired of it. I work for. I produce radio. Oh, okay. Produce radio shows uh, here in Los local. Angeles. Uh, I started out as on NPR affiliates, and now I work for non-NPR affiliates. Um, it's funny. I always joke. It's better than a real job. Yeah. You know, but I still have to go to the same place every day, and that gets right. kind of tiresome. Even if it is radio, although there's still cachet to radio. People ask what you do. You know, I'll be out hiking somewhere in the Sierra Nevada, and I'm like, sure. oh, what do you do? And first thing I say, I say, oh, I work for a radio station. They go, oh, you have a good voice for that. I like, yes, thank you. I've yeah. always been told that. That's I appreciate. That's kind of you, um, but it's not that easy. You have to have more than just a voice. You right. have to you go and you have to be able to talk. Yeah. Like kind of an active mind and like be able to do a bunch of different things at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you're very skilled at that too. Thank I mean, you. Just from listening to your... Very kind of you to say, I appreciate that. How about another live song? We'll come back, we'll talk about some songwriting stuff, we'll okay. talk about some other things. What, what song you got next for us here, Jason? I'm, I'm going to play, this one is not on the record. Uh, it's called The Cleveland County Line. Um, hopefully it'll be on the upcoming uh, EP that I'm going to be releasing next year. Yeah, we'll come back, we'll talk about the EP after that. So, okay. okay, so this is Jason Scott, once again, accompanied by Zach Copeland. Beautiful old guitars, I know I said that last time, but such yeah. great stuff. Older than me, even. Uh, and this is the song, The Cleveland County Line, Jason Scott on Independence Day. I was young, and I was dumb. And I was certain I would never be the man that I've become Built the bombs that blew the bridges Back to everything I'd never thought I'd miss again Now all I want to do is go home I caught the white horse I rode north I was going by my middle name and singing for my word Thought I'd make it like old million Instead of dying from the needle and the damage done Now all I want to do is go home Back to Oklahoma Lay my body down inside Highway 9 And cover up my name Carve it on my headstone There ain't nothing worth leaving Past the Cleveland County Shared our secrets, I can hold syringe 
song to this day I wonder if I gave her if she did Took the air in Denver Still the fever came And I passed out in the brewery bar there's any mercy in the Savior's hands I will send 10,000 angels down to take me back again Cause all I want to do is go home Back to Oklahoma Lay my body down underneath those twisted pines You can cover up my name Carve it on my headstone there ain't nothing worth leaving past the Cleveland County line I was young I was done, and I was certain I would never be the man that I Hello, music fans. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day, bring you artists from around the country and around the world, some local ones as well. This week, I've got an Okie, an Oklahoma named Jason Scott. He's accompanied by Zach Copeland. That was a wonderful song. Excellent work. Thank you. Dig that stuff, man. Dig it's, That kind of songwriting is right up my alley. That uh, kind of grew out of folk tradition, but mixes in some country elements, mixes in some, sure. all, some like Americana elements, oh, yeah. uh, very Jason Isbell, well, thank uh, you. very, thank you. Uh, you know, Little Towns Van Zant, that kind of thing, that confessional, all, personal. Both heroes of mine. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, what's that? All, both of those are. Yeah. Thank you. A lot of us, a lot of us look up to those, those people, and for very good reason. You know, they kind of, uh, Steve Earle. Uh, yeah. Big fan of Steve Earl, John Hyatt, big John Hyatt fan, Tom Waits fan as well, kind of a different genre, sure. but uh, songwriting is the thing, you know, for me, that's what really turns me on, and it's, you know, and when I hear a great song by an artist, like, uh, it, it'll, my girlfriend, uh, you know, she knows when I'm really into a song, because I'll play it over and over and over yeah, again. I do the same. Uh, and, and bless him, bless her for, for tolerating it. But she's a musician too. She gets it. Isbell's one of those that I just worn out. Godly. Yeah. The Southeastern record. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly done some great work since then, but he really, really rung a bell, I think, in terms of what I would like to hear out of music with that particular record. Uh, and in light of that, let's talk about, let's talk about songwriting. Okay. When, again, one of my favorite topics. Uh, you know, we, just a second ago, we talked about those people. Who were the people, because some people write, and they, or some people play, but they never write. What was it that made you, or who was it that inspired you to write in your world, well, in your life? Probably the Bible. I mean, like I said, I, I, I started writing songs in church, um, you know, and for a long time, that's what I did. And I, so, I, you know, some of the songwriters in the Bible are, also exceptional um and i would say that's probably you know what started it yeah if that's an acceptable answer well no there are there are no unacceptable right. answers um you know you people go back to the things that inspire them well, so did you but did you see a like someone in your high school or someone out there performing right it must it was it was in church probably or was there someone writing i guess that's that's what i'm yeah, getting um, at. Like, uh, what you know, made you I take had, an extra step i had uh i had you know influences in that arena as well there there's some great great uh christian songwriters i think um i could list off a bunch that's a huge probably, market i know yeah and i mean you know it takes it takes talent to write about the same concept basically in a different way so i i, I there's a there's many names in that community that i could list out that i would say were influences on my songwriting but then, but what made you take the extra step to do it yourself? Oh, oh, oh I got you. Um, I don't know. I just like doing it. Um, yeah. I never really thought about that. I, I think there's a... It just kind of happened. There's a, interesting. Uh, you know, I, I've referred to myself as, a, as a, like a deconstructionalist. I'm not sure that's an actual even word. But if I'm curious about something, I'm very curious by yeah. nature. Like I'm... I love to read. As a kid, I used to sit and read, literally read the encyclopedia okay. like a book. You know, I'd, there were, you know, we'd have a physical set of physical encyclopedias, yeah. big, you know, t- twenty some books, whatever. And I'd get it out and I'd just read it. Wow. And, you know, and it's not that I re- retained all of that stuff, right. but I was exposed. That's you figure, you know, before works. the internet, that was like the full width and breadth of the human experience. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a writer, you know, that, that inspiration, you know, for me, there was a kid in my high school. Like, I always figured I'd have to write because I was a performer and I didn't want to just be in a cover band, you know, tying right. that back thing in again. Um, but there was a kid who went up, like, during an assembly, like, we had a show choir in my school, and he went up and he played songs that he'd written. And, you know, kids, kids of, of all generations, you know, they're very suspect of everything, especially at that kind of high school age. Everything sucks. Yeah. No matter what it is. Oh, that sucks. His pizza sucks. This party sucks. Everything sucks. But he went up and played these songs, you know, and it wasn't the Beatles, but it was good enough. And he had sure. written them and it, it created a different thing. All the kids went crazy, like throwing babies on stage. It was like the coolest thing we'd ever seen. And instantly he was the coolest kid in school. And I wish I'd have known earlier. I saw that and I was like, that's what I want. Not just the adulation. You know, that's great. Sure, it's fun if people respect you and love you for what you do. Right. But I wanted to, to create something that made people feel that way or, or connected a bridge to other people. So, I, what, you know, so coming out of stepping out of the church environment then, like what topics do you like to write about? You know, Springsteen's got his cars and girls. Every musician's got girls, I guess. Every dude's got that, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. I like to write about my friends and and just my and just experiences. Um, several of the songs I won't go into into any detail, but you know they're references of situations that have occurred or my perspective of situations that have occurred. I don't, there's like a there's a thing to that. There's something truthful in that, even if it's embellished a little bit or you know taken it another way i think that's what intrigues me is like yeah. real people you know what's it called like the photography of people like in is it candid or candid? yeah 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 uh, candid songwriting i guess is what i would observational yeah and it's, it's something that rings true from that perspective to me not that you know pop songs or something else wouldn't but now when you say pop songs are we referring to are you including your music in that because it's popular styles can kind of all be lumped in together I guess in a more way. Than, I guess what I mean by pop music is just kind of, you know, just very vague, but general ideas we've heard before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pop country. I don't know. Well, it's things that are relatable. Yeah. You know, I was just having this conversation with a close friend the other day about those, those like country songwriters mm -hmm. and how, how effectively and efficiently they play on your emotions. Now, all songwriting has to be very efficient because you don't, it's, it's not like narrative prose where you've got a whole book, you've got 300 pages to tell your story. Right. You have fewer words and a lot less time to get those details in to grab people and bring them in. That's right. And that's one of the things I love that challenge about, about writing. The hook. What's that? It's all about the hook. Well, the hook, but even the verses too. You've got to say, you've got to tell a story in a very short amount of time. And the added challenge is a lot of times it has to rhyme. So that's it's so the, the working with the language in that way is utterly fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, so for you, was there so there, in there you just kind of just you said it just kind of happened, but like then stepping out of the church realm, like what were the who were the writers outside of the church realm that made you want to write? Well, to be honest, and uh, this you know this is a beef I still have with the way I was raised. I, I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of secular music at all growing up and then when i i was very devoted when i was in church so you're very de devoted devoted okay so i wouldn't let myself listen to secular music at that point um and and so like when i really got out of church like where i, I knew that i was done with that uh you know i'm still like just stuffing my face full of of music that all my friends have known and listened to forever a whole new world yeah exactly um so i that maybe just that in concept is what is inspiring me to write as well. That's yeah. see, that's utterly fascinating to me because it's almost in some odd metaphorical way. It's like you're an alien who showed up, and now you've got this whole new world to explore. <laughs> it's daunting at times. There's movie references, and I'm just like in the dark. But, but conversation. What great, but what a great time to do that in though, because now you have the internet on you. You know, and for True. I don't know how much Spotify is. Twelve bucks a month, twenty bucks a month. I have no idea. Yeah. But you sign up for that and think of what you can listen to. You right. can just follow your curiosity in any direction at once. Yeah. You know? You know, another, th another cool thing, too, is I'm sort of reliving through my son, like he, you know, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, right. all this stuff that I should be aware of already. I'm kind of getting to experience it now through him, which is, 
you know an interesting angle. So does the were the prohibitions based on your old kind of your old life in the church? Did that extend to TV and movies as well? Then? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had no TV growing up. Wow. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think people get very attached to the idiot box. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, when we go to grandpa's, man, we'd load up on Jackie Chan movies. Ah. And he couldn't move me and my sisters. Like we, when we would get out of our home, we would literally veg, way out in front of a TV for as long as we stayed at grandpa's. So, like, tell me, I'm, I'm still, I'm, like, I'm, I'm drilling down on this one concept. Like, because it's such a whole new thing, I'm trying to imagine like stepping into the world of music and like hearing a guy like Jason Isbell yeah. or hearing a band like Led Zeppelin. You know, you had to have known that Led Zeppelin existed even in the church because they were a huge band, or the Beatles, for example. Right. But like, what, what has been the most like left field inspirational for you to even to just listen to, not even as an inspiration to write? Like, who did you hear? It's like, oh my god, I didn't know that even existed. Like, what rung your bell, um, or continues to? Golly, that's that's a very. So many, like I said, because there's so much content, I've gone through phases of of just being like locked into an artist, and they've changed stylistically. I was really into Italian music for a little while. My mom's Italian; we have kind of a heritage uh, for that, and some of the old like Italian stuff I got into for a while, and even did like some covers of Italian songs. Interesting. Occasionally. but like I mean, I can tell you a bunch of different artists that that I literally like just fixated on for yeah. a good chunk of time. Yeah, well, Isabel was one of them. Uh, John, I, I went through a huge John Mayer phase. Okay, like, and that was kind of uh, you know that was high school. I, I, I it's not like I never I did go to a public high school, so I, and I had some periods outside of the church as well. So I, it's not like I never had any musical right. influence. But John Mayer, I mean, a lot of old, like the Beatles. Oh my God, right. Uh, well, it's not like yeah, I'm, I'm not catalog. trying to give the impression that you were like Amish, that you like lived on some, you know, <laughs> or or like LDS where you like lived on a compound. Maybe you did. I don't know. Right. right. I have no idea how those things work. I mean, well, I, I say that to say, I mean, there's a all of it, and then all of the singularities. So, you know, the individuals too. I, I'd say that as a whole, that all influenced me or caught me at some point in time, yeah. and also like helped develop me too because I really hadn't had any secular development musically. Yeah. I mean, I listened to like Tool and System of a Down and 311 in high yeah. school when I was skateboarding. And I got yeah. into rap, like hip hop, for a little while when I lived in Colorado. And I mean, I'm still into hip hop. I, lo- I love hip hop. Yeah. But then I got back in church and had to shed all that. That's extra interesting. Weight. It's <laughs> such a like, you know, I, my tradition was Catholic growing right. up. And it certainly wasn't restrictive like that. We listened to whatever. It yeah. didn't matter. You know, we, we never, it from where at least you know, Catholic, where I grew up, I was having this conversation with a friend as well, how like the Catholicism that I brought up with was very progressive. Yeah. You know, they were still, I guess, opposed to abortion and, uh, you know, girls couldn't be altar boys and women right. couldn't be priests, which it's still to this day, if you sure. follow the, you know, the tenets of the Catholic Church, is still, you know, those are hard and fast rules. But with the new Pope that's been around for a while now, I mean, he's not being so hardline about these kinds right. of things. Now, certain things about that are, it's it's almost a necessity because they're the, the amount of Catholics the is point. shrinking. Uh, yeah. And if, you know, if you're going to alienate everyone, you know, it's going to be like one dude left. It's like the Pope and <laughs> I was going to say whoever wipes his butt. That sounds horrible, but it's like the Pope <laughs> and whoever creates his, you know, makes his meals. Yeah. Um, but those two things exist in kind of opposition to our culture. Right. Such uh, as it is. You know, part of it too was uh, just the time. I mean, I, I was born in 1985, so the 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 church as a whole i mean look at any religion has evolved especially the more strict sex i mean you can't you can't deny technology you know yeah. what i mean that's contributed a lot and and to the evolution of of their dogma or the rule system or right. the value system and now the pentecostal church i mean is nowhere near as strict as the, i'd say everybody in the church has a a good portion of, of the church I grew up in have TVs and yeah. their kids all listen to the, it's, it's changed a lot since when I grew up. And then when I got like back into it, I did it because I wanted to, yeah. as opposed to my parents making me or thought I needed to. The, you know, uh, given that, you know, right now we have a conservative in the white house, uh, we have a conservative, well, if you can call him a conservative, whatever he is, what you call him? whatever that, that man is, uh, conservatives in the house, 
uh, conservatives in Senate, you know, they've, they've, they run the show right, right now. And so a lot of people who are a lot more conservative, you know, feel free to, to feel very empowered. Um, and I'm not making a judgment whether that's good or bad either way, but you know, you hear stories about homeschooling and things like that. There's oh, yeah. a whole other world out there, especially those of us who live on the coasts, who whether we ourselves are as progressive as the people who are around us, we live in an environment where that has to be tolerated. You sure. couldn't really buck it if you had to, or, or maybe you can try. But it's sometimes hard for us coastal elites, as I like to say or joke, to comprehend that there's just, there's a, that's a huge world. And the, each little thing is a little fief, fiefdom, fiefdom. Yeah. You know, all these homeschooled people. And then there's a network and, and technology has provided a place for them to connect. Absolutely. You know, every, I, was, I don't mean to say that homeschooling people are crackpots, but taking that to a different place, it's allowed crackpots of all manifestations to feel more empowered than they probably should be. Well, you know, it, in my perspective, back to the evolution idea of, of that, I think what technology has done is give them access to information, right. which which is, you know, it's largely frowned upon, if right. I could say it, and I don't mean to be negative, but, you know. Yeah. Now now you can look up, right. you know, whether or not this, flu shots are, are causing autism or right. whatever. Right. I mean, you can find any answer to anything, but mixed in with that somewhere is going to be empirical you know evidence right. of or you need, I don't want to say truth because what's truth but there's going to be scientifically proven things in yeah. as much as that's possible to mm -hmm. say okay gravity exists can we start there right you know absolutely anyway let's talk let's, let's pivot a little bit yeah let's, let's talk go, about let's this EP out. and then I want you to play another song and then okay. you got to get out of here you got a gig to play yeah. so um why an EP first as opposed to an LP um, first off money, uh, second off, um, you know, I felt like I kind of have a couple of thoughts about it. I, I'd like to do EPs for a while. Um, just cause I feel like, uh, people's attention span. I don't, I don't ever sit down and listen to a whole record all the way through. At least, you know, I don't, I rarely get the chance to do that. I feel like people are listening to songs on the way to work. Uh, you know, uh, five songs, six songs is a lot more right to work friendly. Yeah. Um, so that, that's one angle. The, the second is I feel like you can really pare down your content to the five or six or seven best songs that should be on yeah. that record. And again, I mean, you can do that too with 10 and 12, but it's, it's easier. And I feel like it's kind of collectively yeah. more proficient for me right now. I feel like in the industry at large, we've kind of watched that expand and contract over the years. Yeah. You know, back in the tin pan alley, it was singles and then the album, you know, just in it expanded and contracted all through the decades. And then through uh, like the singer songwriter era, and then it was some of it was mechanical too. I was just reading an article about this not too long ago that you know when albums became a thing, it was more profitable, and therefore put nine or ten songs on a bigger, longer thing, and we could right. charge more for it. Right. But then the artist kind of benefited from that because the singer songwriter area happened to kind of strike at the same time, and that allowed people to be more creative and, and have a little more space to spread out and tell a different type of story. Sure. And then it kind of, it's kind of contracting now again. We live in a, a singles world. You know, yeah. I live in a world where, you know, vinyl is now also having a, a resurgence and has yes. for the past several years. And I love that because it's, that's, that's my um, active listening as opposed to passive listening. Like if I'm washing the dishes, my girlfriend just bought one of those little Bluetooth speakery deals. Yeah. It's not even, yeah. you don't even plug it in. Boop, connect it through Bluetooth, and it's in whatever room I'm in. Like right. I, I, the other night, I was like, clean up the apartment, and I was schlepping this thing because we have a very long apartment, and it'll lose signal. So I was like walking around the apartment with this little speaker. Sure. Um, but if I'm going to actively listen to something, I'll drop a needle on an old Pink Floyd record, or I'll drop there, a needle yeah. on a Neil Young record, or, or an Isabel record, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's something I value that very much. Yeah, the active listening, you know, and it's hard. Again, it's also it's almost like uh, it's like your bathroom time. It's like if I'm listening now, nobody bothers me. My girlfriend, I do that. We turn off her phones, sit, listen, focus. Right. Anyway, so and then you you mentioned that uh, you started this in your living room, but then because you've got a recording studio, Pro yeah. Tools, and all that fancy stuff. I do. It's an outbuilding outside my home. It's about four hundred forty square foot. It's just a one room facility, but. You know, we we recorded that entire record in there, and you know it's it's also a place where we get together and write songs. Yeah, and, and you know I, people crash on the cat. It's very much a living room. Yeah, um, and you know that that's kind of the, right. the perspective. And that's the title. That's what you're referencing. Your yes. living rooms is what it's called. Yes. 
And it sounds great, by the way. Um, That's one thing technology has certainly, you know, you have to have the skill to record something and know what you're doing. But technology has really, really uh, uh, empowered a lot of musicians to to do great work at home. Because if you have half an idea of what you're doing sonically, uh, the tools are there. Right. You know, the right plugins and the right that replaces a whole rack full of gear that oh, used to yeah. cost thousands. And you can do so you can do so much. Yeah. Now do you record the other artists in junkie. your studio as well? Yeah. Um I'm I'm actually working on a record uh with Carter Sampson. She's a well known local from Oklahoma as well. Um we're we're gonna be doing her record and then we actually just tracked all the drums on it. Um and drums that were kind of a, a new prospect for me trying uh-huh. sonically like like you were mentioning but i think we got some decent sounds out of the room it's my my studio is set up on blocks so i was a little worried about the floor and you know kind of yeah frequencies affecting resonating like a big drum head yeah but it's americana music it's a lot of shuffle beats it's nothing too great we're not record we couldn't record a rock record in there well anything. you're not making steely dan records nope uh and why would you want to right They've already kidding. been made too well. Yeah. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Yeah, they are made a little well, but it's it's it's, it's a taste, yeah. I think, for some folks. Uh, but now here's the thing: like you've discovered this now, obviously. But drums, recording drums, drums are the most challenging thing to make sound the way everyone thinks they sound on a record. Yeah, where they everyone are. how they should sound on a record. It's a very very big challenge. The room is everything. You know, and every did you say it ruins everything. The room is everything with drums. <laughs> I kind of they, they ruin everything. I was kind of <laughs> hoping what you were going to say was they ruin everything. Yeah, they do uh, ruin a whole. Uh, I have a friend who's a folk singer. He never puts drums in his record, sometimes percussion. Yeah. But you know, I play in rock bands. Like that's, but that's a whole art. Just getting the sounds of a drum kit down. Yeah. You know, in a you and know, then they're replaced with samples half the time, anyways. So. Yeah, I suppose. I know you got to keep it real, yo. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. How about one more song, uh, and then I got to boot you out of here. What's this last tune? Uh, this last tune is uh, the title track. Ah, uh, yes. How how perfect. How appropriate. Yeah, living yeah, room and the title track in your living room exactly it wasn't my dining room but still hey, you live in here sometimes. i live in here too all right so this is jason scott once again accompanied by zach copeland this is the title track from his brand new ep you can pick it up on his website jasonscottmedia.com if you find yourself in oklahoma or one of those neighboring states you might catch him playing around there and i certainly hope you make it back to california as well yeah, I'd love one to. of these days the door's always open uh please come back and see us here share yeah. your wonderful songs with us out here in the west coast uh, so this is Jason Scott. The song is Living Rooms on Independence Day. There's a ghost in my easy chair He's looking at me Cold apparition Something that I used to be The nerve of these photographs To sit there and stare Like I need reminding What isn't where anymore Time It's a casualty Picture pocket while you watch TV the evening news is dozens dying in these living rooms for you. And I know all your secrets, girl, the ones you confess when musket down white hands hold a knife in your chest. I still remember the night that you cried Put on a note song and danced to the carpet United Time, it's a tragic thing A cold record skipping to the beat Worn out group, dozens dying in these living rooms for you. We both know the way it is. 
Everyone sings, everyone pretends The song won't end Time It's a murdering fiend Gives you one breath at a time like nicotine But you don't get to choose Nothing's dying in these living rooms for you That's Jason Scott accompanied by his buddy Zach Copeland Okies. Both of those guys are out here in California to go to a wedding, gonna play some I play a show here as well, like a living room type show. Uh, man, thank you so much. You know, it's, I love talking to musicians. I say this almost at the end of every episode, especially because I don't know a lot of these people when they come in to do this. You know, some of them are people I've known or maybe have met. Um, I love meeting people. I love talking to them about how they do what they do. And you've got a really cool thing going. Thank you. In Oklahoma with like the, the wedding financing, other things. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's cool. You know, there are no rules. You know, I think people get hung up on boxes and and what they think they should be doing. And if you ever go to therapy, the number like the the, the scary word is should. You know that that's one of the first things they teach you. Like, don't you forget should. You know, do what you do. I mean, yes, you should not abuse toddlers. That's not what I mean. But I mean in terms of life choices. Right. Uh, So, man, you've got some shows coming up. You're playing. You'll be by the time this airs, you'll be back home in Oklahoma. You're playing at the Deli. Mm -hmm. And what do you call it? The CMGT. What's that thing called again? Country Music Group Therapy. And uh, and is that just like a like a support group for people who can't play music that's not very profitable? Or what is it? Just it's an early show that that night. The idea is just come out and maybe start boozing a little bit early and yeah. Get rid of some of the work blues. Get your drink on. And that's in Norman, Oklahoma. Also, the Rocky Road on the 12th of December. Uh, that's in, is it Okima? Is that how you pronounce that? What part? Okima? Okima? Oh, Okima, yeah. Okay. I don't, I've only driven through. <laughs> I thought you said Pokemon. First. Pokemon. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. Pokemon, we could do a show on Pokemon. Probably be pretty profitable. Yeah, Video no. game music is very profitable. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, not too long after that, you're doing a living room show in Tulsa. Correct. And then Sully's Tavern in, is it McAllister, Oklahoma? After yes. that, right before Christmas. Yep. And then the new record comes out early next year. I think everyone should pick that up. What are you going to charge for an EP online? Uh, uh, online, five bucks. Five bucks. Oh, see, that's a coffee. Everyone should buy this record. Agreed. It's good stuff. So the and record's called Living Rooms. It's an EP. The artist is Jason Scott. Jason, thank you, man, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you to Zach me, as man. well. Uh, safe travels, happy holidays, and thank good you, luck brother. with the new record. Keep man. doing what you're doing. Oh, you too, man, please. So thank you to Jason Scott and his wingman, Zach Copeland. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The autumnal Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Thank you, Loke. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myths Society. Check those guys out as well. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do one thing today, please be good to one another.